Brilliant Minds is so much more than a two-day creativity and thought leadership gathering in Stockholm. It's a 365-day year-round journey. It's the journey of our founders, Spotify's Daniel Ek and Ash Pornori, the journey of our board, team members, the young entrepreneurs we meet year-round whose ideas will change the world. In a small way, it's also my journey. My journey as CEO, as a working mother, as a child of immigrants, as a person who really believes that bringing people together and uplifting each other can make the world better. This podcast is our collective journey. Brilliant Minds is about building collective voice and community everywhere we go and sharing the bold voices in that community who aren't afraid to challenge the way things have always been done in order to create things that have never been imagined before. In this podcast, I hope you join me in cities around the world where I'll exclusively interview some of the most creative people, men and women, young and old, across all sectors, fashion, art, tech, music, science, business, food, people that share the values of brilliant minds like transparency, gender equality, social justice, compassion, and a love of the environment. People that aren't afraid to use their voice for change. Follow me at other great tech events, art summits, media gatherings, where I'll give you an inside scoop on where the future is going and how you can help shape it. Join me in the Brilliant Minds podcast, on the go around the world. I can't wait to hear what you think along the way. at the Wilson Center today celebrating or perhaps calling to action around women in public service because at this point I don't think we can be celebrating yet we still have a lot of work to do and I'm here with two amazing women that I've gotten to know that I'm getting to know that both really do innovative work in this area so I'd like to introduce Lori and Yomi please tell me how do you define yourself and why are you here today uh, I'm Lori Fitzpagato I am uh, an African-American woman um, who has been in and out of public service twice. I was a career foreign service officer. I left, went to the private sector. I've worked in the corporate world. I've worked at agencies, uh, public affairs, and lobbying, where I am now at a lobbying firm. And I went back into the government um, as, a, as a presidential appointee in the Clinton administration as an Assistant Secretary and Director General. Uh, that's who I am. You me? Come closer. Um, I will come closer. Tight. <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. um, my name is Yomi Abiola. I am uh, British-born of Nigerian origin. Um, I guess I would describe myself today as a journalist, but my commitment and dedication is to the advancement of women. It started at a very young age. I'm the eldest of three girls. Mm. I went to an all-girls school. Um, I, my formative years have been in the fashion industry, and now I spend all of my time building female leadership capacity through media um, and through uh, building community as well. And that's why I'm here. I always ask this uh what's somewhat bizarre to Americans. How do you define yourself? But Yomi, you would appreciate this as someone who's engaged to a Swedish man. Yes. I lived in Sweden for about four years, and I realized one thing I took for granted. America is not perfect, 
but I grew up on the south side of Chicago where everybody was the child of an immigrant, had some kind of very crazy religious parents, and we all came from different places but had more in common with each other as being kind of the second generation trying to integrate into America, feeling in core d'esprit, and also being Chicagoans. It was cool to say, I'm a Nigerian-American Jewish princess. <laughs> you know, I am an... And hence, we had a generation where... And I was one of these people that really felt... I, I looked up recently a Puffington Post blog I wrote in, in 2009, newly married, the new president that said, aha, I knew it. I saw this in Chicago. We have reached a post-racial moment. I knew mm. this would happen. Go millennials. The young generation will show us the way. And eight years later, I won't say I'm kind of upset or pessimistic because I'm an optimist, but it seems like I was very green at that time. So this is my uh, protracted response to say, you know, where do you think we are right now in America? And I bring this up so bluntly because I... I we had a great phone call leading up to this event. And I think people can sometimes be very politically correct in America, especially in Washington. And you both said on this phone call where none of us could see each other, well, I want to talk about women in public service, but I also want to talk about what it's like being a black woman, being a black woman in America and business and leadership and politics. So tell me a little bit about those experiences. I mean, Lori, mm -hmm. it must have been tough. It must have been great sometimes. I mean, tell me your experiences. Has there been a time where you really felt just the bias was just unbelievable and how do you overcome that uh i probably and i should say that yomi's experience is going to be very different not as an american and as um uh, a person who has lived on the continent of africa and europe and i'm sure you've spent time here but you're and you're much younger than i am so I'm looking at things from a generational perspective in terms, in terms of being an African-American who was born here and who was raised here. Um, I have children like Yomi. I've, I've uh, shared that with her. I have a daughter her age and a couple who are older and who, who are also half African or 100% African. Two of them are, are Angolans, and one is half Angolan and half African-American. Um, and they live in Europe and in Africa. So I, I deal with multiculturalism and multi-continental um, realities and, um, and really their perspectives, which are quite different from mine. Have I suffered prejudice? Yes, of course I have. Um, I find that I have been the only African-American in the room since I can remember, mm -hmm. since um, elementary school um, or one of the very few uh, through high school. Um, and I went to a predominantly white university, college. Um, I have not been the only woman, however. And that's what contributes to my view. I am first African-American, I'm second a woman. Because even though I identify with, with uh, women's issues and I promote them and I advocate for them, that has not been the defining, that hasn't been the difference maker for me, being a woman. What has been the difference maker for me, which has put me in a different position, which has caused some you know, consternation by others or challenges for me to fit in has been the fact that I'm an African-American. Um, well, 
I I often share that I found out that um, I was a woman of color when I came to the United States. <laughs> um, and it was a rude, rude awakening. Um, it was... It was an opportunity, though, as being a black woman is, to go deeper, uh, to be able to relate to people on a deeper level, to have more humility and humanity. I see it as, um, as a voyage of sorts. And even with all the difficulty, even with all the twists and the turns, even with the isolation and loneliness that I can feel at times, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, and especially not in the times that we're living in now, because I believe that being a, a black woman means that I'm practiced in certain things that other women are not practiced in. So even though people feel very despondent right now and very afraid, when you have lived a life that has been immersed in despondence and fear, you learn how to vision. So I'm practiced in vision. I'm practiced in vision. I'm practiced in holding the bar with and for my sisters and creating community. And this is the time when we need to melt the barriers away, the barriers of hierarchy, the barriers of difference, and come together as women. We really, really do. Everybody uh, needs to make a concerted effort not to stand behind their perceived titles and not to posture power. So I was so excited when, you know, Laurie first introduced herself as an African-American woman because that then set the bar for me to step into my allness, which is what we need to do now as women. I called Gwen Young, who's the director of this project, after I had first talked to you about a month and a half ago because we've been emailing for about a year and I said, you have to meet this woman. I need a Yomi on my shoulder. <laughs> I know I have one holding each other up, but I think it's that sisterhood. And sometimes people don't want to talk about it here. And I think especially kind of in the millennial generation, it's, it's touch and go. Um, and you're both about to go on stage and, and really continue talking, discussing this so eloquently to a big audience. So before I let you go, I do want to ask you, um, what advice do you have, honestly, because it is tough. It's tough for all women. It's definitely tough for black women. How do you kind of get up when you've been knocked down? Is it a thick skin? Does it not get to you anymore, Lori? Are you just over it? Do you have your family, your friends, your children supporting you? What advice do you have to that young, talented African-American girl in high school right now that's 17, that's her class president that wants to be president? Well, um, am I over it? I'll never be over it. Um, <laughs> Uh, do I have thick skin? Yes. Um, do I understand what the priorities are and what the vision that Yomi talks about is? Yes, I do. So I know that one has to develop mechanisms for coping. Um, I tell people, um, young people, I mentor about 40 plus people, mostly women of color and some men of color. Um, and, you know, there's few exceptions, but, um, but mostly. Um, and they're all in that age range of 20-something, late 20s, probably to about 50. And um, I tell them to choose their battles carefully. You run out of energy 
and you run out of ability to be objective um, and out of specific goals if you try to fight every single battle that comes up on a racial scale or on a gender scale, et cetera. So stay focused, understand where you want to go, um, and determine how best to get there. Find allies. Mm -hmm. Community is wonderful. Family is important. Have a, um, have a balance between your professional life and your home life. Um, and have equal importance to both, your personal life. Um, that creates a sense of balance and also of being able to cope more effectively. And so I think my biggest single issue is pick your battles carefully. Um, I think that we, I want to include all women that don't identify as, as white women, because I think that's very important. So mm -hmm. it's not just for African-American women or black women, it's, it's for women of color. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's an amazing opportunity now for us to start to connect based on our similarities as opposed to our differences. I personally need to anchor myself in something that's um, higher and greater than myself. I have a spiritual practice which really gives me perspective um, and supports me in, in the vision. But also, I am, I'm really ruthlessly committed to building relationships with other women that are not superficial. I, ju I just no longer have space or time for that. Um, and they have to be reciprocal as well. I think it's very important to ask, how can I support you and be willing to support too? Uh, we, uh, for a long time, I think that we've been operating in this uh, very transactional society. And what we've come to realize is that the mess, let's call it a mess that we're in now, we're all in it together. So we have to be able to support ourselves through it and out of it together too. Thank you, Yomi and Laura. You're amazing women. And I can't wait to hear you on stage. <laughs> Thank you.